0: Welcome to the Week in Review podcast. My name is Michael Crutcher, Jordan McDonald. Great to be back. It is very good to be back in the office. It is. We had a week in Mackay with a client Mm -hmm. and it was cold there. Yeah, it was strangely cold for Mackay. North Queensland in winter. It should have been warm. It wasn't, but it was a great week and we'll talk about that later. But first of all, we're going to talk about the thing that many, many people are talking about words I never thought I'd say, Nick Kyrgios is in the Wimbledon final. Mm, indeed, the first time ever for him. Who would have thought Nick Kyrgios had chose how long we've been away for? We talk a lot here in 55 Comms about the way that audiences put personality traits on individuals, on businesses, governments, schools, whatever you like. Yep. The normal human reaction is to put personality traits onto things, so either... You consider that and you try to define and enforce the personality traits you'd like or they're enforced for you. Mm -hmm. So, Nick, Kyrgios, what do we make of him? If we want to start that, let's just have a listen to this excerpt from a media conference after one of his matches this week. I think it was uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning. In which Kyrgios is asked by a reporter from the UK, how Dare he wear red shoes and a red hat on the hallowed Centre Court at Wimbledon, which is, hey, for people in white clothes only. Have a listen to this.
1: Why then would you walk on Centre Court with bright red trainers on and do an interview in a red cap? Um,
0: Because I do what I want.
1: So you're above the rules?
0: No. I'm not above the rules.
1: So what is it? They don't apply to you? Well,
0: um, I just like wearing my Jordans.
1: But there are rules specifically against that. The referee I don't want to spoil the surprise, but the referees are going to be speaking to you about it. That's okay afterwards. And that's okay. I'll wear some
0: triple whites tomorrow.
1: <laughs> but that's fine then. So everyone else, the other everyone else in both
0: drawers follows But rules, no one else even you know even rules? even after Wimbledon, like no one else really walks with Jordan's on the court. Okay, Matt, sorry, we're gonna. But
1: sorry, no, I'm just sorry to say Nick's just moaned about the controversy that surrounds him.
0: I haven't moaned. I love well, it. But
1: you've laughed it off, so, so that's all part of it, is it? Well
0: yes, yeah, more attention for me. What's that saying? Any publicity is good publicity, right? If you say so. Keep doing you then, champion. Okay, Jordan, so, do we like Nick Kyrgios? Do we not like Kyrgios as a group? And what do you think?
1: He's a walking headline, isn't he? I mean, media have continually capitalized on his downfalls for clicks. And I feel like it's fed this bad guy narrative that a lot of Australians have bought into, even those who aren't necessarily tennis fans. Um, I'm a Nick Curios fan. You know, I, I find his matches very entertaining. I particularly love the way he, he breaks down his opponent and uh, the unique style of gameplay makes them exciting games. Um, so I, th- I think some people who dislike him... And there are many. they are plenty of them. <laughs> I've scoured socials today having a look for some interesting insights and um, opinions but those who dislike him I think are actually fascinated by him because they don't quite understand him. So he he operates with this don't care attitude. Yep. And that infuriates people because tennis is this sport that's filled with tradition and respect. Uh, And at times when Nick's, you know, yelling at a court official, I mean, you could be convinced that he has no respect for the game. But... You know, we know he's playing for something more than just tennis. You know, he says that on his NK Foundation website. He he says, you know, I now know what it's all for. I cast my mind forward to all the disadvantaged kids I will be helping. I'm playing for them now. Yep. Um, So I think his personality is pretty misunderstood. Um,
0: So you're seeing something different to him, even though you've never met him and I've never met him, you're seeing something different that other people are seeing.
1: That's That's it. I think so. Um, we know he's an incredible talent, and I think what annoys people is they see that talent as unfulfilled or wasted. You know, when he's on, he's he's brilliant. You yeah. know, and and when he has a tantrum though, he really unravels, and and it and it weighs him down for the rest of the game. Unlike you know the very famous John McEnroe, who's sort of elevated out of those on court yeah. fiery moments. But I thought about this a bit more if we widen the focus and. I wonder if people have ever considered that he's not really our worst sportsman and he's not even close, actually. I think I think of NRL players, for example, who are caught in various scandals week to week. Um, the Australian cricket team are notorious for ruthless sledging. You know, Shane Warne could invite plenty of <laughs> criticism, we know that. Um, but you probably don't remember uh, much. Uh, Roger Federer was actually considered the tennis brat before he was the greatest of all time. You know, he carried on just like yeah. Kyrgios is accused of carrying
0: on, yet today is one of the game's favourites. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's a really good point in the sense that where do we sort of, um, I guess, place some of these athletes and, and you mentioned some of those and I've been fascinated by Curios over this Wimbledon tournament. The way that he schooled that reporter in the excerpt we heard before... Um, I mean, I don't know why journalists make themselves part of the story like that. I mean, the journalist only had to ask a question. In the end, it looked like the journalist was the one who felt really annoyed because Curios wore a red hat and red shoes. The journalist was outraged. It sounded it didn't. Yeah, that's not yeah. the journalist's job. The journalist is to ask questions. Kyrios can get people, um, I guess, so worked up. But that is the beauty of what sport does now. We know he has a has charges before a court now, so we're not gonna comment on any of that no. stuff. We're talking here no. about what happens on the court. Mm-hmm. All that stuff can be decided in the uh in in the legal court, if you like. We're talking about what happens here on a tennis court. And I just don't get offended by athletes on the court like this, but I get very interested. Now, mm. to be honest, I I was a bit more miffed about the way Novak Djokovic carried on before the Australian Open than I was with the uh, COVID vaccine situation than I was with uh, what happened with Nick Kyrgios. So, again, what's Nick Kyrgios like as a person one-on-one? We don't know, but we've all formed our opinion. I'll be one of the people who watched the final on Sunday night. Absolutely, I will be too. Yeah, so in the end, this is what I'm sure... And I've had disagreements with friends over this this week. I'm sure that the organisers of Wimbledon would be loving this. Oh, of course. It has got people really engaged. And not just in Australia, but in the UK and the US, there's been a fair bit of coverage of Curios. Okay. You need some level of scandal in sport to generate interest. Now, there's good scandal and bad scandal. Yeah. Okay. We don't want um, things to do with people, um, you know, behaving in certain ways that brings you know, police, etc. involved in this. No. But if you think about it, rugby league is a sport that thrives on scandal all the time. And when I say scandal, I mean, it just thrives on controversy. Yeah. There's yeah. always controversy in rugby league, and I'm sure rugby union would love some of that controversy. Oh, I'm sure it would. Because it doesn't have it. <laughs> it right. doesn't. It would love a Kyrgios to be running around oh, doing whatever Kyrgios does. So, yeah. look, I think he's been really interesting this week to look at the way people um, talk about him, but... Even the people who don't like him are engaged. Now, they're probably going to hope he gets beaten on Sunday night, you know, but that's great because that's sport. Yeah. You have villains, you have heroes, and you get engaged, and that's what people want. It's like when we watch TV shows where we want to see the downfall of a certain character or whatever, you Mm. know, people are engaged. So would tennis be liking Nick Kyrgios? I believe firmly they would be loving Nick Kyrgios. Oh, they would be loving it. And on Monday morning, we'll wake up with Nick Kyrgios, a winner or a loser, in the Wimbledon final. Um, That's sport. That's right. But either way, (laughs) um, we'll be engaged Sunday night. So let's just probably revisit this next week because let's see what happens uh, and let's see um, what their reactions are like. But it's going to be a great ride to see either way. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for the game. So let's set our alarm clocks or get up later, early, whatever. <laughs> um, and now, another thing we talk about on this podcast a bit is language. So I'm going to talk here, switch right away from Nick Curious here and go to a topic which was uh, the subject of a story in The Guardian uh, recently um, in the UK and it was about uh, media coverage in the U- UK about the Roe versus Wade um, Supreme Court decision in the US, uh, which of yeah. course was around... Um, abortion mm-hmm. and um, the decision um, that was obviously one that created headlines in a lot of places. Now, the story on the Guardian said that there was um, some um, controversy around a BBC presenter who, for those um, people uh, who against abortion, he referred to them as pro-life. The pro-life movement or pro-lifers. Yes. Okay. So this yep. really um, upset. Uh, some of the people who are for abortion. Now, I bring this up because we've mentioned before here and done so on some of the blogs that we do about the battleground that is language and how important language is, uh, even in these ways. So we always say it was never same-sex marriage, it was marriage equality. equality, yep. So if you wanted to um, talk against same-sex marriage, you had to talk against marriage equality. Mm-hmm. Now, who's not against equality as such? That's it. It was never euthanasia. It was voluntary, voluntary assisted dying. dying. Yep. Okay, so again, oh, who's against? Volunteers are good. Assistance is good. This language area has been dominated by those on the left side of causes. If mm. that makes sense, this is a very rare situation where a decades-old term, as in pro-life, and it's an old-old term, is not liked. I guess by the left side, they would rather the pro-lifers are called Mm anti-abortionists because anti, no one wants to be anti-something as such. It's a bit of a negative connotation to it. So to see the way that there's been controversy about the terms pro-life, and as you said, it's an old term, um, decades old, to see this. Now, I put it down as another example of the importance of language and getting language right. And in the modern day, I think it's more important than it's ever been, but it's always been important back centuries and beyond. I mean, we talk uh, about, um, you know, even, you know, the new term of uh, bad weather and there's a rain bomb, you know, so if there's controversy about people didn't forecast this heavy rainfall, it's a rain bomb, which gives that connotation, but how can you forecast something so severe? So I guess that is a really interesting Part this week, but you've read an article this week yeah, which I touches did. on this.
1: I did. It's interesting you brought it up. I, I, um, I read an article that uh, Joe Hildebrand uh, wrote in the Daily Telegraph and it looked at the change in language within our government. So he explains how the language surrounding decisions in government has changed from ownership to systemic. So an example he uses in this article is the phrase, I broke the towel rail becomes the, tail r- the towel rail got broken.
0: Yeah, so, so, so rather than responsibility for an individual, yeah, yep. it becomes what happened as such.
1: Yeah, correct. So if, basically what well, my take from it was if something goes wrong in government or something doesn't get done, there's now no identity attached to it anymore. You know, it's simply a system failure somehow or somewhere in government. Um, it then suggests that, you know, government makes decisions as itself, yep. as the entity, yep. rather than attaching a person to that decision. You know, and the, the article end with a, with a bit of a funny question. I thought it says if the government is manifesting all these Decisions out of thin air. Why are we spending money on ministry and bureaucrats? <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: yeah. True. I thought it was a good read. It was a very good read. And again, it's just, again, that, that language. And in a really busy world where we have so many different things coming at us through social media, through streaming, through um, our phones, um, the ability to say, um, I didn't do something but something happened, it's another addition to that whole discussion about language because – in the end, that can be so valuable in terms of uh, how you engage with audiences, particularly if there's a possibly negative situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, now good good uh, article, that one, worth reading Joe Hildebrand in this week's Daily Telegraph. Now, we were in Mackay last week for the Confraternity Carnival, which we uh, had the privilege of uh, assisting with communications every year. If you don't know Confraternity Carnival or Confro... The 42nd Confray was on last week, and it brings together Catholic schools mainly, some independent schools from around Queensland to play rugby league. So uh, we had a uh, had five-day carnival in Mackay, yep. um, which uh, has been a carnival that has produced so many great players. I think about eight members of the Queensland Origin yeah, Squad yeah. for the next Wednesday's decider were Confray graduates, mm-hmm. and uh, it brings together... I think why it's it's such a big carnival... In the eyes of people who know it Is because this is not representative footy as such It's school footy Correct And so we have six fields live streamed So Mm -hmm. six fields going throughout most of the day Yeah yeah. Um, And you know parents can watch Not only their kids play But they can watch their kids' mates who they've known for years Correct, yeah. play as well. And um, former students of the school also come back to watch. They're yep. not watching a Queensland under-15 team. No. They're watching a team that they feel as though they have some involvement with. And we've spoken before about the fact that school sport is now a very big uh, generator of traffic and subscriptions to online news sites. So, um, Jordan, you were the person doing all the social media for Confro. You were running... Uh, you know, crazy on Facebook and Instagram with six live streams going on the website. What did you learn last week about, uh, it's our first Confro in three years because of the COVID pandemic. What have you learned about the way people engage um, in events like this? Well,
1: look, it always amazes me the amount of traffic we see at Confro. It gets bigger every year and um, it's gotten bigger again. Um, Just a few quick stats for you to give you an idea just how big it is. Uh, on, on Facebook, we, we reached 1.4 million people, and that's an increase of 1 million from last year. Uh, impressions were similar, as 1.5, that increased 1.1 million. Um, we had just over 137,000 engaged users engaged with us across that Confro yeah, week.
0: Yeah, big, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, wow. So it's pretty awesome. Yep. And
1: then on Instagram, which we're still growing, it bec- became yep. more of a focus this year, we... Um, we hit just over 11,000 people, so, sort of 8,000 engagements, and we gained nearly 1,400 followers. So that was a it was Just a big in the one week. Us. Yeah, just so in the so one week.
0: So what do you see as a difference between, say, the Facebook and the Insta audiences?
1: Yeah, right. For Facebook for Comfro uh, has been the pillar of its social presence since the beginning of my involvement at least, and Instagram sort of felt secondary to that. And we see such strong engagement on Facebook because it's got the more developed audience. Yeah. Um, but we saw really good growth on Instagram this year because I pri- prioritised it as much as I did Facebook. So everything that went on Facebook this year had uh, specifically made Instagram version of it. Yeah. Um, we're looking at... I was most interested in how people were engaging with the content and that's mostly through comments. Yep. Um i found that people are far more likely to comment on Facebook than they are Instagram. Yeah, okay. Um, I reckon this will improve in the years to come when we get the Instagram going a bit more. But, you know, most of the Instagram comments came from students tagging the place they saw in the con- in the content. Okay. Whereas the Facebook comments were mostly from parents and they comment a lot more than the kids did. So... This is in line with that sort of trend we've discussed before in previous episodes where we observed the younger generation is preferring the Instagram and TikTok and the older audience
0: prefers Facebook. Yep. Um, there so would have been some activity on TikTok too because we saw some of the kids there, there doing, doing their been, things for yeah, TikTok. Yeah, you know, no, I did have a quick scroll. Not
1: too many used our hashtag unfortunately but... Um, we did spot a group at the airport when we yeah. were leaving Brisbane, uh, getting together to do a TikTok dance. That's so, right. Yeah.
0: So this is another layer of it, isn't it? But it it's is. that engagement, and it's yeah, that it engagement is. that um, you know reaches across so many different communities in ways it never had before. That's exactly right, and that's why the stories and reels worked really well for us on Instagram.
1: That reels is that feature within Instagram that uh, they're trying to grow to, to compete with TikTok. And we saw really good engagement using that as a content tool for us this year. Yep. Um, but what I found interesting was that our biggest audience across the week was the 18 to 24-year-olds. So they're past students, you'd presume, yeah, who were interested in the content, watching their school, yep. um, hoping they win, or maybe they have brothers at the school, sisters, you never know. Yeah. Um, I honestly thought it would have been the parents yep. who would have tuned in who couldn't make it to the carnival. Or whatever else. But no, it's, the, it's the, the kids who have presumably just left school and,
0: and want to watch. And that uh, data makes it valuable then for potential advertisers because hitting that, that 80 reacts. to 24-year-old mark is can be a valuable mark for the right product.
1: Exactly right. And it was a pretty convincing um, share of the audience too. It wasn't you know just a percent or two. It was pretty convincing. Yeah. Met then closely by the, the parental sort of
0: age group. Yeah. And then you had to get rid of some scammers as well. Just we tell us how did, you did that.
1: We did. We were met with some scammers at the start of the week who were
0: so, trying to post
1: some live stream links and get information from people's credit cards and all the rest. But yeah,
0: so all the live streaming for Comfro is free. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's free. No uh, credit cards needed, but we had some people trying to pretend you had to sign up and do yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So how, how did you, you get rid of them? They were prolific. Yeah, no, so
1: because there isn't currently a way for me to block comments with links in them, I wanted to use the profanity filter and instead of putting just the profanities in there, I started putting in www. as one phrase and HTTPS, hey, which is generally at the start of any URL yeah. link or at least all the ones the scammers are posting and that seemed to capture the vast majority of them from there. So if that's something you've got to deal with on your page, it's a nice little workaround
0: you can, you can try. And that that is also for maybe if people are making comments on um, your page that are controversial, you can use that filter to block certain words, for instance. Absolutely, yeah. No, we've got plenty of words in there which uh, we've decided are unsuitable for our page. So that, that works in dual purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So apart from uh, Nick Curios this weekend, what's the weekend hold for you? Uh,
1: it's the final weekend this side of town for me. We we shift next weekend, oh, so wow. it's it's just more packing.
0: Oh, more you'll packing. be up packing anyway then.
1: Yeah, yeah, more packing for me, and then um, I'm reading a good book at the moment, so I might just keep chipping away at what's that. What's It's called Thinking Fast and Slow, and I've forgotten the the author's name. There it starts with it's Daniel someone? I forget, yeah. but yeah, brilliant book. I might hear about that in future editions.
0: You might. Okay, all the best for the weekend. You too.